This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Canby, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. (laughs) I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. (laughs) With an old maid daughter that makes the best moonshine in the coast. (laughs) If it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Clawson, and this is what's happening this week in our community. Work on Highway 99E is set to resume this week as contractors confirm the locations of utilities necessary to replace a damaged stormwater pipe and restart the state's long-delayed $20 million repaving and reconstruction project. Work on the project has been shelved since early March when Oregon Department of Transportation crews found a crack in a 1960s-era stormwater pipe that had to be replaced before additional work on the road can continue. Officials feared that if work continued without replacing the pipe, the use of heavy equipment could cause further damage. Replacing it before proceeding with the project further would also reduce the likely scenario of having to tear up the new pavement to fix leaks or replace the pipe in the future. However, shortly after announcing the discovery, crews packed up and left town with no word as to when the pipe would be replaced or when the long-anticipated project, already several years in the making, would continue. Some news finally arrived Friday with ODOT advising motorists to expect single-lane closures along Highway 99E for about two weeks, starting May 30th as contractors and utility crews prep for the replacement project. Confirming the location of utilities is an important part of updating the project plans to allow for replacement of the damaged stormwater pipe under the highway, the agency said in the May 2016 update. Officials also expect to remove unused railroad tracks along the 1.5 mile project area and realign the tracks crossing 99E of North Pine Street this summer. Alas, not all news is good news. Reconstruction and repaving of the notoriously pockmarked highway 99E, which was originally expected to be completed this fall, is now likely to occur in 2024, according to officials. 
The long-planned facelift officially kicked off with revamping sidewalks and adding ramps and other curb upgrades in the project area, including at Birch Street near McDonald's in South Elm late last year. For more information about the project, including frequently asked questions or to subscribe for updates, visit bit.ly slash canbypaving. An Estacada man is facing more than three dozen poaching and firearms charges in connection with his alleged illegal taking of nearly 60 big game animals in Clackamas County. Norman Paul Jones, 68, was indicted last month on 38 counts of unlawful taking or possession of a big game mammal, which is a class A misdemeanor and four counts of felony in possession of a firearm, a class C felony. The Oregon State Police and Oregon Division of Fish and Wildlife has been investigating Jones, who has previous felony drug and firearm convictions since before June 2022, when investigators executed a search warrant at his home on South Stormer Road in Estacada. Police said the, the warrant stemmed from information gathered in a previous search warrant of a co-conspirator, which linked Jones to poaching several deer using a rifle. Jones has a prior felony conviction. The search allegedly turned up two firearms, a 308 caliber rifle with a mounted scope and a 22 caliber rifle with a mounted scope, which also included a flashlight taped to the barrel. In addition to the firearms, Jones allegedly had in his possession a variety of wildlife parts, including numerous sets of deer and elk antlers that are still attached to the skull. The collection included parts of three spike deer, 17 two-point forked horn deer, 19 three-point deer, 18 four-point deer, two bull elk, one five-point and one four-point, and owl parts, including wings and legs. Jones was unable to provide documentation to show the majority of the antlers or other wildlife parts were lawfully possessed, Oregon State Police said in a press release. Prior to being indicted on the previous charges, Oregon State Police received additional information that Jones was again in possession of a firearm, which led to the execution of a second search warrant on April 6th. Police seized another firearm, a Savage Arms 111, which is a 300 Winchester Magnum rifle with scope. Jones was subsequently lodged at the Clackamas County Jail, but was released on his own reconnaissance after a May 1st hearing. Jones's case is set for trial by jury on August 1st, according to court records.
A man was arrested in urban, unincorporated Clackamas County Thursday morning in connection with a string of break-ins and burglaries at two homes. The Clackamas County Sheriff's Office responded to the scene of an alleged burglary on Southwest Cypress Road in Oatfield shortly after 6 a.m. Thursday. The homeowner told police they'd awakened to find a man, later identified as Ricky Lervine Sears, 48, in their garage. Sears reportedly fled the scene with stolen items. As deputies were beginning their investigation and search from Cypress Road, a second burglary call came in at 6.27 a.m. This incident was reported on Southeast Lark Avenue near Milwaukee, about a half a mile from the first burglary call. Sears had reportedly forced entry on a rear door of an occupied residence and entered the living room before fleeing the scene by leaping over a fence, according to the Deputies then began tracking the suspect with a canine officer coda, a Dutch Shepherd coda, and initiated a reverse 911 call asking area residents to shelter in place and be aware of police activity. Dispatch relayed sightings of Sears from multiple residents. Deputies also deployed a drone in the area in an attempt to locate the suspect. The canine track proved successful as coda located Sears hiding in a shed on Southeast Kelly Court in Clackamas, another half mile from the second burglary call. Deputies took Sears into custody at approximately 7.39 a.m. They also seized items from Sears, including a loaded Glock pistol, magazines of ammunition, stolen items, including ID and credit cards, drug paraphernalia, and a small amount of methamphetamine. Ricky Levine Sears is taken to Willamette Falls Hospital for treatment, then booked into Clackamas County Jail, where he is being held on charges including multiple counts of first-degree burglary, first-degree theft, first-degree criminal mischief, second-degree criminal trespass, and resisting arrest. Clackamas County detectives are still investigating this case and believe Sears may be involved in several additional burglaries throughout Clackamas County. Anyone with information on criminal activity by Ricky Laverne Sears is urged to contact the Sheriff's Office tip line by phone 503-723-4949. For as long as there's been the town of Camby, there has been the Philander Lee tree. Until now. The stately white oak that was planted by the town's founding family and proudly shaded the Oregon and California rail line and later Highway 99E for 154 years was removed Tuesday due to a growing splint in the tree's trunk and concerned the property's owners and city officials. City planning and historical preservation officials confirmed Tuesday that the owners had notified and consulted them before hiring an arborist to delimb and remove the mighty oak. Both the tree's height and crown spread were estimated at more than 100 feet. The property owners did their due diligence, Canby planning manager Ryan Potter told The Current. Obviously, it has a lot of historical value and they wanted to make sure everything was done in the best possible way. Planning staff later visited the site with a representative from the Canby Historical Society and confirmed the tree was potentially dangerous. It has several trunks and they're cracking down the middle. 
which was going to make it a hazard, Potter said. Also noting the tree's proximity to Package Containers Incorporated, which owns the tree and the property on which it sat, Austin's Body Shop, and the railroad. The tree was planted by Philander Lee in 1869, the year before he would file the original town plat for Canby, named after General Edward Richard Sprigg Canby, a prominent Union Army hero from the Civil War. It was planted at the site of the family's third home, which was built by O&C Rail Works. When Lee died in 1887, his son Albert lived there. The home and the tree remained in the Lee family until 1967 when the property was sold to package containers by the last Lee resident, Ora Lee Cattley, Philander's granddaughter. The tree has been a part of many local childhoods for decades as Camby's elementary schools brought busloads of students each year to visit the site and learn about Camby's pioneer history. It was believed to be one of the oldest and tallest in Camby. Tim Austin, owner of the neighboring auto body shop and son of Austin's founder, Wayne Austin, practically grew up in the shade of the massive oak and lamented the end of an era. It's sad to see the tree go away, he said. It's been fun to see the kids come over for lunch with the classes around this time of year. It's always been a staple of the community since before my time. I understand the tree needed to come down due to its center starting to split, but it will be missed. Already seems kind of strange not seeing it out there. Palmer said the plaque that once noted the Oaks inclusion on the heritage list has been donated to the collection of Canby Historical Society, which hopes to create a display honoring the tree and its place in Canby history. Cougar Country. Hometown Sports Coverage is brought to you by Rife and Hunsaker, PC. When you need an attorney, turn to the firm Canby has trusted for over 50 years. Call them today at 503-266-3456. For the latest sports news, follow us on Twitter at Cougar Country OR and Instagram at Cougar Country Pod. Canby High School's track and field athletes impressed on the sports biggest stage this weekend, winning two individual and team events and claiming a fifth place finish for the 5A boys at the OSAA state championships at Hayward Field in Eugene. Senior speedster Omar Villanueva capped his Camby High School athletic career by winning the 200-meter dash with a time of 22.08 seconds, while junior teammate Cohen Hall claimed third with a personal best of 22.19. Hall also nabbed a silver medal in the boys' 100 meters with a personal record time of 10.86 seconds, while Villanueva finished sixth. Rounding out the individual performances on the boys' side was senior Maddox Oliver's 10th place finish in the 1500 meters with a personal record time of 4 minutes, 1.65 seconds. The Canby boys' relay team of Jeremy Strong, Cohen Hall, Omar Villanueva and Trayson Wakefield raced to a third place finish in the 4x100 relay with a time of 43.1 seconds, just a half second behind Victorious Central. 
And in the 4x400-meter relay, the quartet of Cohen Hall, Maddox Oliver, Logan Peterson, and Omar Villanueva claimed 8th with a time of 3.30.59. In girls track results, the 4x400 relay team of Isabella Capra, Ava Schreffler, Samantha Astorga, and Kenzie Biggie brought home the Cougars' only other gold medal, finishing first with a time of 4 minutes, 4.5 seconds, nearly a full second ahead of the second place summit. With their impressive time, the relay quartet also captured the honor of qualifying for the Nike Outdoor Nationals in June at Hayward Field. Sophomore Kenzie Biggie, who spent most of the season rewriting the candy distance record, books an in route to two Northwest Oregon Conference titles, claimed third place finishes in her two individual events, the 1500 meters with four minutes and 32.4 seconds, and 3000 meters at nine minutes, 42.4 seconds. Both marks were personal bests and new school records. Freshman Isabella Capra qualified for the girls' 400-meter finals with a PR of 59.9 seconds, but was disqualified due to a false start. In field results, senior Trayson Wakefield, a state champion in the triple jump one year ago, finished fourth in the events this year with a combined 13.56 meters. He also claimed ninth in the long jump with a distance of 6.31 meters. Sophomore Callie Kessler's 1.42 meter effort was good for a 10th place finish in the girls' high jump. In team scores, the Cougar boys track and field team netted a 5th place tie with Silverton with 39 points, well behind the runaway, pun intended, state champion summit with 118 and a half points. The girls secured 11th place out of 31 squads with 22 team points. For photos, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at, at @canbycurrent, or find this story on our website at canbyfirst.com. Hey, Frankie, how's that new internet deal you just signed up for working out? Uh, not great, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. How so? Well, my bill ended up being way more than I thought it would. I actually have this statement here. Uh... Apparently, I had to pay more for high data usage? Oh, yeah. Some providers will get you for that. Sometimes they have data caps, and they can slow down your speeds and charge you extra for going over. So I'm being punished for using my connection? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> I'm with you there. What else does your bill say? A lot. I had to pay extra for faster upload speeds to get Wi-Fi equipment, and there's also this infrastructure fee? I looked that up and it turns out it's a fee so they can build out their network, mostly in other cities and states. I hate to say it, Frankie, but it sounds like you might have only taken into account the flashy sale price and not all the fine print charges. <sighs> you may be right. You should switch your internet to Direct Link, Cambie's local cooperative provider. They don't have any hidden fees and don't nickel and dime you for using your connection. Plus, Wi-Fi is included in your internet subscription. That sounds great. I could really use a new router and these data overage fees are gonna add up really fast. It couldn't be easier. Just give them a call and ask about Omni. It's their all-in-one internet service that includes Wi-Fi, enhanced security, great parental controls, and easy-to-use network management apps. And there's really no hidden fees? They won't charge me for streaming and gaming a lot? Nope. 
You get fast download and upload speeds, unlimited data use, reliable and secure Wi-Fi, and local service included with any DirectLink fiber connection. Give them a call today at 503-266-8111 or visit www.directlink.coop. Welcome back, listeners. On the Cambi Conversation today, we are going to be talking all about the highly anticipated return of one of the Cambi area's most popular and uh, unique events, the Oregon Renaissance Fair. We're delighted to be talking once again with the Oregon Renaissance Fair marketing coordinator, or as her Zoom uh, title says, marketing extraordinaire, Shauna Casey. Hey, Shauna. <laughs> Hey, Tyler. How's it going? Thanks for having me back. Good. Congratulations on that promotion to marketer extraordinaire. That's uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yes, it's a self-proclaimed title, but I'm proud go. of it. So. Hey, you know what? As long as you <laughs> own it, right? Totally. So we are in what? Our, um, obviously, COVID kind of threw a wrench a couple of years, but is this the fifth uh, edition, sixth edition of the fair? What are we at now? It would technically be the sixth season. Okay. And so, then kind yeah. of the, we had two the years eighth off. or ninth year, right? It's eight years, technically, but <laughs> right. exactly. It would technically be the eighth year, but we're in the sixth season. Okay, awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about the event for folks that um, haven't been or aren't familiar yet. Uh, obviously, it's been growing. I feel like a lot of folks uh, are, are aware of it at this point, but let's go ahead and humor me, will you? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, most Renaissance fairs across the country are usually seen some way. And uh, the one that we have here in Oregon is a Scottish themed Renaissance fair. Uh, we've got a fictional town called the Vale of Dunrose. And Mary, Queen of Scots, is making a procession through the countryside and stopping at the Vale of Dunrose for jousting and, uh, you know, a celebratory kind of atmosphere. And so yes. people can expect, you know, you're coming in, it's a fantasy mixed with Renaissance fair and kind of anything, you know, we, we draw all kinds of creative uh, people. If you like the outdoors, if you like mm. to cosplay, if you like to just dress up for stuff, you're going to find all of that at the Oregon Renaissance fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you guys really do uh, a lot of uh, work to kind of create the ambiance with your 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 stages and your sh the shops and the pubs and the obviously the jousting stadium a lot of the things um you try uh really hard to be authentic right uh, as a, uh, yes as authentic as we can because we do have some educational aspects to it you know we have some live demonstrations happening with the village folks and we have you know a blacksmith and their forge so you know you can see there's a buffer arena where you know you can kind of play fight with some foam you know weapons and things like that so you can get immersed in and learn a little bit about history too while you're there and not just you know, not just the fun of all the shops and the entertainment. There's actually some educational purpose to the Renaissance Fair as well. Right. But it is fun, right? <laughs> it's 100% fun. 
I uh, have been, I think, um, three or four times, three or four seasons, right, in, in a row. Um, yes. And I have mm-hmm. never been, I, and I spend, you know, hours and hours, probably like five to six hours <laughs> when I go. And still, I don't feel like I've ever seen everything. And it's it's kind of amazing how you're able to fit as much as you are into the footprint that you have at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds. Yes. And that Clackamas County Fairgrounds is a beautiful site. You know, there's the trees and it really gives, I think, more of an authentic feel to it. And, you know, because you came with children, six Mm -hmm. hours even wasn't enough to do everything, right? Right, right. Um, With the kids and and stuff like that. And we have over a thousand volunteers and cast and crew that come in and build this from the ground up. Wow. Wow. Is it, um, you mentioned the setting and yeah, we have a beautiful old growth trees and it's kind of uh, for folks that haven't been but are familiar with the fairgrounds kind of the rv and camping area um for for other events like hair fest and things is where um or is that going to be still the site for the renaissance fair this year shauna or is it moving no it's in the same spot okay Um, the only thing that's different really is where the joust will be before You've been, we've had, we had built out the joust, but there's actually a horse arena that's oh, part of cool. the Clackamas County. We're actually going to do the joust in there this year. So it's oh, going to be a be real neat. arena seating, yeah. right? Yeah. And so there's going to be more merchants, more, more entertainment and those the, where the joust used to be. So it, it has grown. You're going to see that it has grown just by moving the joust arena into the actual arena. Very makes cool. A huge difference. Is that, um, the, uh, it has a roof, but it, but no walls. I believe that arena. Yes. Or, it's the circular one. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be really cool. But anyway, my question I was going to ask is because I, I know you do a, a, your organization does a really large Renaissance fair in Washington state as well. Um, uh, are these types of events, Renaissance fairs uh, generally built out at, at, fairgrounds and kind of large open uh field type areas like ours here in canby at the clackamas county fairgrounds are they in parking lots or does it kind of differ what what is usually the setting of these types of events that you've seen yeah that's a great question basically it really depends a lot of the west coast renaissance fairs do build from the ground up because on the west coast it's hard to find enough land and and be close enough for people to want to come out. Right. And so, you know, we tend to build from the ground up, but there are flagship fairs, as I call them, like the Texas Renaissance Fair, New York, Minnesota, they have permanent structure. So they've actually built a town and, you know, so one, maybe one day we can actually, you know, it's our goal to find a permanent (laughs) site so that we can build permanent. Oh no, don't leave Canby. Please don't leave. No, I can't. Can be make room for us, right? All right. Well, if anyone's we'll listening there and they've got 200 <laughs> acres, you know, and they want to put a red fair on it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's crossed. our goal, but obviously think about the pleasure fair in California. The mm. Renaissance Pleasure Fair has been around for almost 50 years, I believe. And they still build from the ground up too every year. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll be in Canby for the next 50 years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. So Sean, when you talk about, um, you know, bringing a thousand volunteers and, and actors and crafters mm-hmm. and, and the work 
to not have a permanent site to create this literal town um, for a uh, mm-hmm. used to be two weeks. You know, we're going to get into it this year. Uh, we're going to have three weekends, but still, uh, you know, to build mm-hmm. from the ground up and then take it down so much work. Um, what What is what is kind of what drives you? What's this all about? <laughs> what you know what? We have some of the best just uh, volunteers and crew mm. on the planet, in my yeah. opinion. I might be biased, but you know, they work, you know, we plan this all year round, and then these mm-hmm. folks come in and they make it happen. And mm-hmm. so I think what drives us is just the love and joy of the community bringing entertainment to a place that was desperately wanting it. You know, Oregon people used to drive up to Washington to have a good renaissance there, but now they don't have to drive so far. And that really is a drive for us. The fact that people enjoy it and continuously are like, when are you going to add another weekend? So we did that this year. Um, Things like that. You know, we listen to what the people want and we try to make that happen. And that really drives this thing forward every year. I mean, you obviously brought this event to to Canby and to, to Oregon and then to Canby, um, obviously hoping that it, it would grow and that folks would enjoy it. But are, are even you surprised at um, the uh, just, I guess, even how quickly it has grown and, and um, the uh, even with COVID throwing the curveballs that it did? And I know that was a difficult time, but uh, last year was incredible. I mean, um, that's one of the reasons uh, for adding the third weekend is uh, even with the crazy weather, terrible weather last year, it was just uh, everyone wanting to come out to this event. It's true. Uh, You know what? I learned a lot about Oregonians last year. They are not afraid of rain or a little bad weather. It did not deter them from coming (laughs) and staying in line last year. If if we're being honest. It really really, did. We called it the Scottish bog. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was the Scottish (laughs) bog. And um, it, it was great because their spirits were still high. But as you know, we did have overcrowding and stuff, which have never, you know, you never sell out at a Renaissance fair and be so overcrowded, yeah. you know, that's never happened. And, uh, so we weren't prepared quite for that, but we did right. the best we could. And people were very understanding this year. We strove to solve all of the mistakes from last year that we weren't necessarily prepared for. So this year yeah. tickets are capped. They're sold only online, and we're going to make sure that there's enough space for everyone to enjoy being at the festival. Yeah, yeah. Do you have um, attendance numbers that you're, um, you know, that you're, you you mentioned capping, or do you have goals? Um, Just curious what attendance you're expecting to see over the course of the event this year. Well, let's say last year for two weekends, we had roughly right over 20,000 people come through. Good grief. So I know (laughs) that's why we're like, we need a third weekend. (laughs) We need a third weekend to spread that out a little. So, you know, I'm thinking 30,000 would Mm. probably, you know, 25 to 30,000 this year is where it's going to be at. That is, am I crazy? That is significantly higher than before COVID. Yes. So yes. I don't know if it's something that, you know, of course, Oregonians were hungry. And, and when we came back last year, we were pretty much the first event of the quote unquote summer. You were. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that really played a part into why people are like, oh, my God, there's something to do. Yay. Right. Um, <laughs> I feel like that definitely played a role. But we're prepared this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, the third uh, uh, weekend that you added. Um, 
the uh, attendance is capped. I don't remember if you mentioned Shauna. Uh, I'm sorry if you already did, but another change this year is you, you, you buy a ticket. It used to be you, you just bought a ticket and then show up when you could. And that was kind of an issue because folks would maybe if the weather was bad on the Saturday, they would, they would come on the Sunday. But when everybody does that, um, it can be a challenge. So this year you buy your ticket Absolutely. for a certain day. Yes, exactly. We, we, you know, it's kind of like, think about it, like going to a concert, you know, yeah. the, you know, here's the concert date and times and you pick the one that's best for you. We've kind of adopted that just because, and the other issue that people don't like to talk about when you do a big event is the, the amount of Wi-Fi and internet and, mm -hmm. and cellular reception that's available for people, you know, it yeah. starts to bog the system down, trying to run all those credit card machines at the same time. So that's why we've gone to the buy before you come mm -hmm. because otherwise you might stand in line and what, you know, that's what really was causing a backup in our minds is the fact that it would take forever for a transaction to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And that so to avoid all of that, we're just going to take all of the need to buy tickets at the gate, buy them on the way to the festival. If it's available, we're already sold out on the first weekend. Right. Which is amazing. So there's no more tickets available on the first weekend. Yeah. yeah. Saturday and yeah. Sunday is full weekend one. Yeah. See, that's why I just go really authentic and just bring a bag of gold coins. Not everyone accepts them, but you know, you don't have to worry about the Wi-Fi. So. That's very true. It, you know, and we will have some magic ATM machines there, right? Okay. So, just in case. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if people want to buy with cash to, with the merchants and the food and you don't want to, you know, it, just in case the internet might get a little slow because 10,000 extra people in an area is going to bog the internet down for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm always amazed at the, uh, the range of folks who attend uh, and the Oregon Renaissance Fair is the only one I I've uh, been to. Um, but uh, you get, the folks that are wearing, you know, full, full on, um, uh, authentic costumes, you know, uh, authentic to the era, like they're, uh, a, a resident of Dun of Dunrose, um, to yep. folks that are just there, you know, having a good time and just enjoying the spectacle of it, wearing their t-shirts and can be cougar baseball caps um to folks that, that, <laughs> that go off like full-on like they're at a comic book convention and they're just like are you at the wrong event because they're dressed like spider-man or whatever um you just get all kinds yes. of like people just Any just celebrating their way dress up. yes yeah yes and the yeah. way they you know what there's a lot of mashup too tyler like yeah. you might see a, a superman but he may be superman in garb we call yeah. it garb yeah. right that's what Ren gets. so he might be wearing a full suit i've seen batman it was like i called it the dark knight you know k-n-i-g-h-t yes. because he yes. was dressed like a knight but like batman yeah so i i remember the year i saw um deadpool but in a kilt Yes. And you know what? They're so people are so stinking creative. It's awesome. That's one of my favorite things is to see the amount of creativity that people have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned just to go back a little bit, Shauna, uh, encouraging people to buy ahead, but at least as far as tickets, um, that's another change this year, right? Mm -hmm. It's only online. Correct. It's only online. Yeah. But you can buy other things um, online if you wish. Is that what you're saying? Like you could buy uh, entertainment or certain things ahead of time or? Sure. The only other thing that we have pre-sale there is uh, evening. So evening entertainment is something oh, gotcha. new that we added. Uh, okay. Saturday nights, there's going to be, if you want to stay and enjoy the nighttime activities, then there's a separate ticket for that. 
that's also sold out on the first weekend. So first weekend of Renaissance Fair next weekend is totally sold out in every way, shape and form. Wow. Wow, The other two are available second and third weekend. Yeah. Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, Or that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't, like, animal-related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest-running, locally-owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te- I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Okay, so tell us about that because I uh, that was the... Uh not something that you originally had, but I think you added it a few years ago, the the sort of after hours or the adults only time. Uh, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. Well, so each weekend we have a different theme, right? And the themes are just for fun, right? So to give people, an, you know, some kind of encouragement of what they can wear and things like that. So we've got different performers that are going to come out and do stuff. So the first weekend is a relatively famous locally famous they're called Abney Park they're a steampunk band well oh, known cool. yeah um, and then Ignition Fire Troop is going to do intermission where they do some fire dances and things like that with fire whips and fire circles and all kinds of different fire things awesome uh, the second weekend is going to be a night just it'll be an 80s themed night just wow also with ignition, right? So the guys are going to be all 80s out. 1980s. Yep. It'll be like Brent Michaels and Eddie Munson. The Knights are going to play different 80s characters and they're going to, we're going to do some like a mullet relay race and stuff like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that's going to be second weekend. And the third weekend is the Whiskey Dicks. Okay. I know. So second weekend is where it's at. If you like the 80s and you just want to have a fun, good time and see the joust in a way you've never seen it before, yeah. then the second weekend is where you're going to want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have questions about the joust. I love the joust. Where, how does something like that come together? Where do you find the folks that are um, the the actors for that? And, and the, um, I mean, is it scripted? Do you do rehearsals? Like, can you tell us some, can you raise the curtain a little bit and tell us how a spectacle like that comes together? 
Sure. Uh, so in this case, we have a, a joust group. You know, they're professional. They were, you know, they spent the last 15 to 20 years in entertainment. Wow. Um, many of them have worked at different kinds of, you know, medieval times and different things like that. So they're trained and they, you know, so we do rehearsals when they come here because they're all mostly all in California and we'll do it the Fridays before. But we plan all year on a script, kind of like what we're going to do. And a lot of it is improv, though, in the moment. The outcomes aren't uh, scripted. I mean, they really are competing um, on some of the things uh, that they do in the test. Yeah. I mean, th- those are real skills Correct. that they are attempting and, you know, don't always get don't always hit the mark because it's it's an actual athletic thing no i mean like when you're getting going for the rings you know trying to get a tiny ring while you're on horseback onto the tip of the joust you know it's it's very difficult so yes they are actually trying and really doing those games you know that part isn't scripted even though we know that that's what games is going to happen next so you know a lot of it's improv there's some scripting you know so we have an idea but a lot of it is you know these are very talented people who have done this for a long time and it's just organic in a way Mm -hmm. awesome um and then i'm also uh always really uh impressed um at the other entertainment that you guys bring can you talk a little bit about that and who you're going to have this year the other uh stages that you'll have yeah, so uh, we're proud of the performers. The performers are also, again, professionals in the circuit, as they say. They're in the festival circuit. You know, they yeah. travel around the country doing festivals. And we've managed to get some incredible performers and entertainers because we're on kind of an opposite schedule than some of the big rent fairs that we would have to compete for them. You know, if you, if, if you're going to do eight weeks in Bristol instead of three weekends in Oregon. So since we don't really have any competition, we have some awesome people. Um, we've got some, we've got one of my favorites is Raptor events. I mean, we have a real live falconer, which I find mm. to be very Renaissance appropriate, right? Yes. Because the, the falconers <laughs> existed. Yeah. So that's one of my favorites. We've got a bunch of different stage people. We've got comedians and uh, people that play different kinds of instruments like the hurdy-gurdy or, you know, so like old fashioned instruments and things like that. So you're going to find a little of every. This year we have a live living statue person. Oh, really? She looks like a living statue. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Uh, so if Shana, you see a person that looks like a Greek statue, you know, or something like that, that is a real person yes. standing there. Yeah, that's really cool. I bet uh, I bet she's going to get in a lot of selfies. Uh, a favorite of the of people, though, is Cirque du Sewer. People will have yes. definitely seen Melissa Artis and her, yep, on um, America's Got Talent uh-huh. with her, her cat and rat circus. She's been to the Oregon Ren- Renaissance Fair um, at least once, uh, more than once, maybe. Yeah, she's come every year, actually. Oh, because really? Okay, great. We used to have her at Washington, but yeah. Bristol, like I said, is another really big rent fair. So she goes to that in August instead. But she has June open, and we're so blessed to have her and her, you know, cats and rats at our at our event. So, yeah. and Brune is another crowd favorite. Yeah. He's hilarious and does all kinds of tricks with the whip and juggling bowling balls and all kinds of crap. And don't forget, there's so much stuff for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's like a quest. There's a quest. It's a dragon adventure. So you okay. go around 
with the clues for the dragon adventure Sounds at the scary, end, you get Shana. a prize. It's ooh, no, these ones are cute little dragons. Okay, so. okay, fair. Okay. Oh, like <laughs> like in Game of Thrones, but when the dragons were first born and they were cute. Yes, when they're small and cute and adorable, yes, before yeah. they go fire breathing on you. The kids <laughs> love it. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, there's a puppet show, Punch mm. and Judy, that's been around since the Renaissance era. And yeah. it's a kind of a dying art, but we're lucky to have someone that does it. Yeah. You know, Robin Hood and Maid Marian is an interactive stage show that includes the children. Awesome. So much fun for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I think I saw that you're um, also adding a, um, a another pub. Yes, the Kilted Stag will be in service. So that will be two pubs. The, the Kilted Stag and the Cat in the Fiddle are the two pubs that we have. So definitely have lots of local ales. We'll have mm. mead, which, you know, if you're 21 and over and you haven't tried mead, this is the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to really get the authentic feel of the Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, it just sounds like a, a ton of fun. I'm uh, just getting excited to go back again. Um, I guess I can't go the first weekend, like you said, but where can folks um, check out, get more information and get tickets? They will want to go to our website, which is organfair.com, and that's F-A-I-R-E. E.com. Don't forget the E. And you can get your tickets there. You can see the map, um, get information on which merchants and entertainers are going to be there. And if you are interested in joining our wonderful volunteer cast and crew, mm. we have, you know, we are always want volunteers to come out and, and join our, our little fair family, as I call it. All that can be found on the website. Okay, awesome. And um, the uh, you mentioned the first weekend sold out. Uh, the the two remaining weekends, which will be the second and third weekend in June, um, mm-hmm. but all three weekends have different uh, themes that aren't sort of mandatory, right? But add a little bit of a different element um, for folks that do enjoy doing the cosplay or, or kind of uh, dressing up. Yes, uh, the second weekend's a pirate theme. So, you know, lots of people, you know, pirates and Ren Fairs always go hand in hand. So if you've yeah. got, uh, there's not a lot of, there used to be a Portland Pirate Festival and I think right. that went away. And so we're trying to, you know, get a little bit of, give people a little bit of that feel with the pirates on that second mm-hmm. weekend. The third weekend is a Celtic celebration. So that is all things Scottish to kind of close out the season with, mm-hmm. you know, just love for Mary Queen of Scots. Awesome. And uh, so, you know, wear your tartan and all that other stuff on that weekend. Awesome. Very cool. The last thing I want to ask you, Sean, and just give you a chance to to share with folks is the um, the nonprofit uh, sort of parent organization that puts this on and then the Washington State one as well. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yep, that the organization is Reyes, the uh, Washington Renaissance Arts and Education Society, because we started up in Washington, but mm-hmm. we're covering the Pacific Northwest. Uh, our goal and mission is to provide entertainment through education mm-hmm. and vice versa, education through entertainment, the intermingle. And so that's why we have those, even though there's a lot of fantasy elements like fairies and different things like that, um, there's a lot of actual demonstrations, like I was saying. So, and also some pirates come and they actually bring real pirate paraphernalia from back in the days to share and show people. You could touch 
these different weird items that they used to use on pirate ships. It's really cool. So yeah. um, there's education intermingled with the, the fun of it. And that's really our goal is to provide that both of those elements in one event. Yeah. Yeah. Not mutually exclusive fun and learning, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. We, we know, we've learned that you can make learning fun. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Are the Renaissance fair events and the main things that your organization does, or do you have other things as well that uh, you do to fulfill on that mission? Well, we do have other things in the works. Uh, okay. We did have a pirate festival separately that we used to do in July, but we kind of absorbed it into the Oregon fair for an extra gotcha. weekend Yeah, um, by adding that pirate festival. So we did do a pirate festival and we do have a couple of other ideas in the works. I won't give it away, but okay. you know, obviously as soon Stay as we tuned. know, I will be contacting <laughs> you and then we can let everybody in Canada and surrounding areas know about it too. Absolutely. Well, Shauna, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you to you and all of the amazing actors and administrators and volunteers and organizers and dragon tamers and everyone else that makes this event uh, go uh, at this wonderful event um, take place every uh, year here in our community and at our fair, fairgrounds. Um, and thank you for your time and talking to us today. It's always a delight. Well, thank you, Candy, for welcoming us with such open arms for the last six years. We've been blessed to be a part of that community and to uh, and the support as we've grown. You know what I mean? And we're watching Candy grow, too. And that's always exciting year after year to see how much Candy grows. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe and we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com.
Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though. (laughs)